What happens when we don't let banks fail? When we don't get the cleansing effect of a true business cycle. It is like a crash diet for two weeks when someone loses a little weight and then goes back to eating and gets bigger than before. The lessons of proper financial dieting aren't learned, and businesses go back to normal shortly thereafter. Banks aren't in a good place today because they are sitting on a bunch of bad loans. Commercial real estate loans are a cancer to banks' balance sheets because they have not been adjusted to show the market value of the underlying properties. Empty office buildings are starting to hit the market, like 350 California Street in downtown San Francisco, which was valued at $300 million, and it is now being sold at 80% less today at $60 million. No one will step in and buy these because no one will be made whole. I'd argue that the long-term top in the office building real estate market was reached pre-pandemic, and we will never go back. Hello and welcome back to the C. Thomas Printer Cooperative, a place to make you think, make you remember, and make you smile. When we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. Viktor Frankl. Good morning. I'm Ossetti Jones and welcome back to Bygone Relics. I'm here with C. Thomas Printer to discuss depression. My goodness, C. Thomas, you have set a new record time for chasing off our listeners. Good morning, Austerity. Aren't you clever? This week, two events came across my radar that made me wax sentimental. The first was the passing of NFL running back Jim Brown. Brown is widely regarded as the finest football player to ever play in the NFL. He led the league in rushing eight of his nine seasons playing in the era before the Super Bowl. And he retired at just 30 years of age and at the top of his game. We also marked the 25-year anniversary of the end of the greatest sitcom of all time, Seinfeld. It is widely available in syndication and its sayings have permeated our culture. But a unique feature was that Seinfeld, like Brown, left at the top of its game. It was the number one ranked show on television when it ended its run. And despite Jerry Seinfeld being offered nine figures to create another season, he turned it down. Getting to the top of a chosen profession is very rare. But getting there and choosing to walk away is even harder to do. Age, changing preferences, changing priorities are all part of the ever-changing cycles of life. Getting the timing right on the ascent and leaving before the descent is admirable. Economies also go in cycles, and unfortunately, we can't just walk away on top. I'm sorry, China, we have had seven decades as the largest economy on Earth, and we know you are catching us, but today we have decided to walk away and retire. That's not how life and economies work. So we have to be aware of where we are in the cycle and act accordingly. When the economic cycle is in a depression, like we have discussed here in detail in the 1840s or the 1890s, the single most important thing to help turn the cycle back to expansion from contraction is a credit stimulus. Banks need to lend, businesses need to hire, people need to go back to work, and this creates recoveries. The flip side of that coin is true as well. When banks are lending profusely, businesses are hiring at max capacity and people are working all they want, that is often when stimulus needs to be removed. It creates overproduction, 
There are too many products, too much money has been lent in the system, and inflation becomes a threat. That is when there can be a depression. Depression can mean many things, but coming from the Latin word meaning pressing down, it can mean gloom, sadness, and dejection, and it does in a financial depression. It can mean a sunken place or part lower than the surrounding surface, and it does in regard to financial markets. It can mean a dullness or inactivity of trade, and it does that as well. The Great Depression of the 1930s fit all three categories to a T. I'm attaching a link to a documentary about the Great Crash of 1929, but I found it fascinating hearing how the similar the mentalities were to, compared to today. American consumerism hit an all-time high. Americans thought it was their birthright to be rich. What allowed this facade was easy, easy credit. Installment payments and buy now later. What you thought that was invented by a firm financial in 2012 in San Francisco? The Great Depression followed the greatest credit boom and expansion the world had ever seen. America after World War I was a place of mechanical innovation, and due to the sluggishness of European economies, capital poured into projects and companies in the United States. Inventions were created and marketed for the general use of the public. Cars, radios, electrification, and with it, appliances were produced and marketed to the general public, and the standard of living in the United States became the highest in history. What enabled this was the expansion of credit. In World War I, the governments had sold bonds and people had gotten used to buying these instruments and getting their principal back with interest. After the war, banks seized on this new familiarity and they started selling stock in companies. There was very little regulation, so people bought on margin, enabling them to control large lots of stock with little down payment, just like their auto purchase. Banks helped companies expand by selling stock and raise working capital, just like our white-hot IPO and SPAC market from a few years ago. This was the glamour era of F. Scott Fitzgerald and the Great Gatsby, and the Roaring Twenties were a party for all. People got rich on speculation. They got rich without working. Even shoeshine boys were famously playing the market. Joseph Kennedy, the patriarch of the Kennedy family, famously got out of the market when his shoeshine boy started giving him stock tips. One of the great fortunes in American history was preserved by acting ahead of the crash. What allowed Kennedy to get out on top like Brown and Seinfeld? Insider trading? Perhaps. There were rumors that many financiers were running a pump and dump scheme just like crypto has been doing to investors today. Perhaps it was something else though. The market crashed in 1929 and it came quietly with little warning. A few bankers warned of trouble ahead, but the markets charged full steam ahead like the Titanic through the Northern Atlantic. A key differentiator this time was the involvement of the Federal Reserve and the US government. In past depressions, there were fingerprints of the government at the scene of the crime, but now the government had gotten so big that it was pulling levers trying to save the economy and making it worse. The panic of 1930 was when failures of agricultural banks caused many banks to fail, and the response by the federal government was to contract the money supply while economic growth was falling. The Federal Reserve of Atlanta and St. Louis reacted quite differently. Atlanta opened the discount window and served as a lender of last resort and therefore had less failures than the St. Louis branch leading many to believe that it was a matter of liquidity rather than solvency. 
This serves as the bedrock of the Federal Reserve's actions today, and we just saw them open the discount window to regional banks and offer a lending solution to banks. Some banks like Silicon Valley were too financialized and insolvent, but many just needed liquidity. What happens when we don't let banks fail? We don't get the cleansing effect of a true business cycle. It is like a crash diet for two weeks when someone loses a little weight and then goes back to eating and gets bigger than before. The lessons of proper financial dieting aren't learned and businesses go back to normal shortly thereafter. Banks aren't in a good place today because they are sitting on a bunch of bad loans. Commercial real estate loans are a cancer to banks' balance sheets because they have not been adjusted to show the market value of the underlying properties. Empty office buildings are starting to hit the market like 350 California Street in downtown San Francisco, which was valued at $300 million, and it is now being sold at 80% less today at 60 million. We discussed how banks had a mismatch of assets to liabilities with regard to long-term bonds with Silicon Bank's failure. Customers withdrew their money and the banks were behind on a bond at market price and had to sell to create liquidity to meet the customer's deposit requests. The key difference is that those bonds were U.S. Treasuries and the bank would have been made whole at the end of that term. The commercial real estate loan portfolios offer a much more toxic scenario. No one will step in and buy these because no one will be made whole. I'd argue that the long-term top in the office building real estate market was reached pre-pandemic and we will never go back. Our inner cities are not compatible with where businesses want to be right now. Crime, taxes, and work away from home has pushed business to the sunshine states and suburban offices and away from the traditional money center cities. In the Great Depression, people borrowed too much money to buy new consumer goods and stocks. Today, the credit structures dwarf the 1920s in their complexity and efficiency on how to extract money from a consumer. Home equity lines, credit lines, credit cards, swaps, derivatives, debt financing, equity financing, investment banking, shadow banking, consumer lending, bank lending, and finally at the top of the shaky structure, government lending. We have financed a house of cards from the poorest to the surest. The surest instrument, meaning the U.S. Treasury bond, which is backed by the full faith in, what is that? Credit of the United States of America. Many things will keep us from another depression, but right now the economy is slowing. In fact, quarters one and two of 2022 showed negative growth, the traditional definition of recession. But the government just changed the definition of that and we moved on. But right now, and more concerning, is the money supply. We are undergoing the largest money contraction since the Great Depression. That's right. Have you noticed commodity prices coming down? Grocery prices too? Even home prices in some of the highest destinations are starting to fall. This is a good thing in the fight against inflation. Our Jedi Jerome Powell is starting to see results. However, the Great Depression showed us that declining money supply leads to bank runs as people are nervous about their money. Well, the government came and bailed out the Silicon Valley depositors who had more than 250K in their accounts. So like Jim Bianco has said, we are now not a bank run, but a bank lock. Depositors are pulling their money in search of a better rate in either money market funds or bonds. But banks are still seeing money walk, which creates financial stress for them. Banks have toxic commercial real estate loans on their balance sheets. They have real estate loans in which the properties are starting to decline, eroding their margin of safety, 
and they have depositor flight. Then we have the debt ceiling. And by this time next week, the Republicans will probably have gotten their pound of flesh from the Democrats and we will have a deal. Hooray, crisis averted. Not so fast. The Treasury owl, Janet Yellen, now needs to refill the Treasury general account. And that means selling bonds into the market, further sucking up liquidity that might have gone into stocks or other investments. Be careful what you wish for, because you just might get it. We saw that banks and lending are the lifeblood of the economic expansion and the contraction or depression of that leads to what exactly? It led to a depression in the 1930s, but I'd argue that after what we saw in 2007, something more insidious could be ahead than the Great Depression. People love to say that history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. And you know, I hate that saying, so I have a new one. History doesn't repeat, but it rhymes but four nickels still equal to dimes. They're different, sure, but in finance, they are the same. To be continued. Sincerely yours, C. Thomas Printer. Financial tip of the week. In 2022, the price of eating out was 21% higher than eating at home. But in 2023, that number jumped to 30%. With labor shortages, the service has dropped even more than the price has increased. Try eating at home. And if you can't cook, go on YouTube and you can watch someone cook a great tasting meal that you can copy for a much smaller fraction of the price of eating out. On this date in history, 140 years ago to be exact, the Brooklyn Bridge opened, connecting Manhattan to Brooklyn. Also born on this date, the inventor of the mercury in glass thermometer, Daniel Gabriel Fahrenheit.